Earth, man. It's good to see you guys here. Thanks so much for showing up and being a part of our weekend. Uh, just excited for what God's going to do here in the next couple of weeks, but thanks for showing up today. Let's welcome those who are watching online. Thanks for tuning in. We are our guests as well. Well, listen, we are excited about this new series, How to Raise Your Kids. Let me just, uh, let me just make a disclaimer. Uh, I don't know all there is to know about raising kids, but I'm going to tell you what I know. And uh, part of that is what I've learned doesn't work. And, uh, but I just believe through this series that God's going to help us to really tackle one of the big subjects and issues of life. But let me just ask this question. How many of you here uh, have children in the, in the zero to five category? A lot of you. How many people have children here and you're in the, like, the, six, they're in the six to 12 category? How many of you here have teenagers, 13 and up? All right. How many of you here have kids in all three categories? May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you rest. Well, listen, um, so let's, uh, let's talk about this. this. This has happened to everybody. Let me just ask a question. How many of you here, honestly, help me out here. I, this has happened to me. How many of you here have ever, I don't know how to say it, misplaced your children? Have you ever lost in a public place, your kid disappears, wave at me? Like, what, what, what's the first feeling when you look around and your kid is gone? What's the first thing you think about? Right after, like, Let's get away now before they find us, right, right after that. Come on, what's, what's the first thing that happens? Isn't it this sheer and immediate panic that sets in? When uh, this has happened to us, unfortunately, uh, in, in, we have three children, and uh, in our time it's happened. I remember several years ago we were at uh, Cedar Point, the roller coaster capital of the world. We were there with friends, and it's a large amusement park, and we're walking down the main way, and uh, our son, I think, probably was maybe five years old at that time, and we're walking down, and man, there's thousands of people mixing, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and our son is gone, and you know how it is, man. Again, your, your adrenaline kicks in, your, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, and immediately, again, there's just this sheer panic because your child is gone, and you start looking for him like, I mean, you just have to find him. And uh, this has happened. Some of you have lost kids in malls and amusement parks, and especially in large places with lots of people. That's the worst because immediately you just think, man, where are they? i got to find them because we automatically think the worst thing possible is, is going to happen. And uh, this has happened. I know. How many of you, when you find them, you beat them because you're so glad to see them? Don't you ever do that to me again. Like they're like, I don't want to be found by you, you know. So again, this, this panic kicks in, but here's, here's what I know is, is when our children go missing, we go looking for them. Isn't that right? When our kids turn up to not be where we think they are, where they should be, when they're not there and we turn around and they're gone, we go looking for them. Some of you remember this, you have to be a little bit older, but how many people remember little baby Jessica? Baby Jessica McClure, she was a baby back, uh, I think it was 1987, been a long time ago, but immediately made, uh, made headlines, made international news. She was a little baby, basically crawled out the back door of her, uh, of her aunt's house and uh, crawled into a well, fell into a well. And they had to fly literally people from around the world, specialists to try to come in and rescue baby Jessica as she was in the ground for a couple of days. And thankfully, they were, able to, uh, they were able to rescue her and able to bring her out. But here, here's what I want you to know right here on the front end, because you've lost your children and I at times have lost mine. They, they sometimes get in trouble. Here's what we know is true, that, that you, uh, when, when your children go missing, when they're out there and they're gone, you don't expect, and I don't expect, watch this, you don't expect lost children to find themselves or rescue themselves. Isn't that true? When your child goes missing, you don't stand there and think, well, if, if they really want to come home, they'll find me. 
When your kid gets in trouble, you don't stand there and think, well, they got themselves in it, let them get themselves out. When our kids get lost, we immediately kick in. There's something in us as parents that we immediately kick in and we go looking for them. We don't expect lost children to find themselves. And so we know that's absolutely true, but let me just ask you this question. There are times, again, where our children kind of go missing all at once, but what about, what about when our children when our children go missing a little bit at a time? And when I say that, I mean sometimes our children get lost in rebellion. Sometimes our children get lost in adolescence. Sometimes our children just get lost in this world. Some of you here, if you're honest, you don't know where your kids, they're, they're lost. You don't really know what they're lost to. You just know they're something in your relationship, something in your home's not right. Like your kid maybe is living there, but like there's this huge disconnect. And I just want to ask you a question. What do you do when your kid goes missing? Well, the answer is this. You don't expect a lost kid to find themselves. Parents who love their kids pursue lost kids. I want to just show you a story. This is in Luke chapter 2 right here on the front end. This is one of those stories you have to be pretty familiar with your Bible maybe to have come across this story. Uh, It's a story, and there's not many stories in the New Testament of Jesus outside of his life as an adult. In fact, we just get the story, and we we hear it a lot at Christmas time when Jesus is born as a baby. Fast forward, and there's this story in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus is 12 years old, and uh, and then all the rest is on adulthood. So let's just check this story, and I think this is kind of cool. Everyone here read this with me. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So Jesus, being a Jew, being raised in a Jewish home, what they would do was the nation of Israel had three major feasts that God had given them, times where they were to celebrate God's faithfulness in their life. And the way that they did it was no matter where they lived, they would gather together, they would get all their families, and they would travel in a huge pack to the city of Jerusalem where they would celebrate these feasts, And when the feasts were over, they would go back home. And so the Bible says every year, one of the feasts was Passover, every year Jesus and his parents, Mary and Joseph, they would go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Keep reading. Read it with me. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. It was just another year. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But watch this. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents didn't miss him at first. Because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Now, so watch this. So here they are. They've, they've celebrated the feast. They're traveling back home. There's this big pack of, uh, of people. We don't know their last name, Christians. Okay, that wasn't it. But anyways, and they're all traveling back home. And, and watch this. Jesus wasn't with them. He had stayed back in Jerusalem. He was missing. He was lost. And his family didn't know it. I want you just to know this. This is so big. Do you know that your kids can be lost and you not realize it? I just want to ask this question. Do you know where your children are? Parents, do you know where your kids are? And and, and I don't mean you know their home or you know they're back in the kids' wing or you know they're back in the JV service. I mean, like, do you know where they're at as a young person? Do you know where they're at in their relationships? Do you know their struggles? Do you know what they're going through? Because who they are, who they're hanging out with, what they're dealing with will determine who they are. And a lot of our kids are lost in this world. And even though we live underneath the same roof with them, we have no idea how lost they are. And so... Watch this, keep reading. It says, but when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. Everybody say started looking. This word started looking is is, is like us. As soon as they found out Jesus was gone, they panicked. Panic mode set in and they started going throughout this family circle. Hey, have you seen Jesus? 
And the word that's used here means intensely and repetitive. Doesn't that describe how we look for our kids? Like there is no person. I, I mean, maybe you're this person. I'm, I'm not this person. Anytime our kids have ever gone missing, like I panic loudly and a lot immediately. Zach! Kayla! Like, I freak out. Like, I mean, I, I need something like to bring me down when it's, it's like, throw me a Xanax when it's over. Because, I mean, I, I just like freak out. I mean, I'm just absolutely become unglued. This word here, they started looking, is this, it's, that's what it means. They started going from person to person, family. Have you seen Jesus? Has he been here since the last time we looked? Which means they just kind of kept going in circles looking for Jesus. Watch this, next verse. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. So when they finally gave up kind of in the immediate vicinity, they went back to the city they were at, Jerusalem. And the Bible says they went there to search for him. Everybody say to search for him. This word is really cool because if you're here and you don't have kids and you didn't think you would get anything out of this, let me tell you about this word that the Bible says Mary and Joseph, they didn't just seek for him, they then started searching for him. This is the same exact word that the Bible uses in Luke chapter 15 to describe God's search for you and I, which means this, that, that God passionately pursues you your entire life. That, and, and, and this is so cool. I, I want you guys to get this. Do you know no matter how bad your kids ever messed up, if they're lost, you keep looking for them? Come on, is anybody here? Listen, it doesn't matter how mad you are at your kid. When your kid is lost, you keep on pursuing him. You keep on looking for him. I want you to know you can be here today and you can have made all kinds of bad decisions in your life. And I want you to know that God has never, ever stopped looking for you. He keeps on searching after you and seeking after you and chasing after you. God is passionately pursuing people who are far from him. No matter how far you are from him, no matter how far you've ran from him, God is pursuing you and he's searching for you. That's awesome. Come on, somebody. And watch this. Then the Bible says three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. I just wonder if Jesus got a beaten right here. But let me just ask you a question. How long did they search for Jesus? It's not really three days. Three days is how long, how long it took to find him. They searched for him until they found him. If it would have taken four days, they would have searched four days. If it would have taken 10 days, they would have searched 10 days. There's no parent when your kid goes missing, like after you've put in an hour, you're like, man, that's it. I'm ready to go home, put my feet up and watch Bama roll, right? <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody does that. You keep searching for lost kids until you find them. And so the question is, guys, as we start wrestling through this series, if your kid and my kid, if they're missing, if we've lost them in this life, what are we supposed to do? In the same way when they get lost physically, we don't expect lost kids to find themselves. When your kids are lost, you cannot expect them to find themselves. Our call, my call, and your call as a parent is that we need to be engaged in the life of our children to find them wherever they are and to bring them back to a place where they can grow in a healthy, strong environment. And so through this series, I, I just want to just kind of give you some challenges. I'm going to give you some basic things. Today we're going to start off very surface, and over the next couple of weeks we're going to talk some specifics. But let me just give you this verse, and, and we, most of us have heard of this, Proverbs chapter 22, in verse 6, it says this. Read it with me. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want us maybe to make this a prayer. And the way I think we can make this a prayer is simply saying this, Lord, will you help me to train up my child 
in the way that they should go. Will you all pray that with me, parents, especially? Lord, help me to train up my child in the way that they should go. Come on, every voice here. Come on, let's pray this. Lord, help me to train up my child in the way that they should go. Imagine if you regularly invited God to be involved in the process of your parenting. Because the Bible says this is our call right here. This is, if our kids are lost in this world, lost in this life, and they get lost, that happens. That's a regular part of a kid being a kid as they get lost. A regular part of a parent is pursuing kids who are lost. And what the Bible calls us to do means that we're, we're to train up a child. The word train up is a really cool word. The word train up, this is literally what it means. If, if you're geeky like this and you study the Bible and you have a strong concordance, you can look this up. I'm not making this up. The word train up literally means to narrow the same way you narrow a noose around someone's neck. Which I'm going to be honest, it's not the first time I thought of a noose around someone's neck when it came to parenting. Am I the only one? I'm going to say some things through this series that's going to make make some of you guys mad and make some of you want to call uh, children's services on us, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Train up a child. Here's what it means. Here's what God's saying is, is that our responsibility as parents is that we're to narrow We're to narrow their choices. We're to discipline them in a way that we just don't give them free reign. We don't say to them, hey, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. You can hang out with whoever you want. You can be involved with whatever you want. Listen, you can watch whatever you want as late as you... That's not parenting. Our call to train up our children means ultimately we are to help guide the decisions they make, to narrow the decisions they have. We give them decision power. We're going to talk about that later. But ultimately, we narrow those decisions down to help them to be successful. Your ultimate goal, this is it, your ultimate goal is to prepare your child for adulthood. If you're here and you have kids, wave at me. This is your job right here. Is you parent day in and day out, week in and week out, your ultimate goal, my ultimate goal is to prepare them for adulthood. That means when they turn 28 and finally move out, they're ready to tackle this big, bad world. Think about this. That that means, and we're going to see this today, we're to prepare them for adulthood, which means when they finally spread their wings and they move out, that they are responsible, respectable citizens in the community they live. They know how to handle a job. They know how to submit to a boss. They know how to manage on some level the resources and finances they have. They are people of character and integrity and godliness. And while that is absolutely a big, challenging thing for all of us to do, I want you to know, nonetheless, it is the task that God has given us as parents. It's to prepare our children for adulthood. Now, while we can say that, let me just ask the question, like, where do you get that information from? Like, how, where, do you, where do you do that at? Like, I was there, I was, has anybody else, how many men have been in the birthing room, like, you were there when the stuff was coming out? And you're like, was that in there? Like, make it stop. Did anybody cut the cord and it feel like a big piece of rubber? Like, I was halfway through and I'm like, ooh, never mind, I don't want to cut it. Like, I need, like, some lawn shears, like, right? Where do you get the information? Okay, so if we're to raise our kids, we're to train our kids, where do you get that information from? It's not intuitive, right? Nobody nobody just wakes up one day and knows how to parent. I remember when when our children were born, I've shared this before, my wife didn't want me around our daughter because I had no idea how to raise a kid. And her job was raising two kids because she had to raise me how to raise my... That's not... The bottle's too hot. The bottle's too cold. You didn't shake the bottle enough. You got to birth the baby. You got to change the baby. That's not... The outfit's on backwards, Steve. That's not... It's like, never mind. Listen, when she turns five, give her back and I'll jump in. It's just not intuitive. You just don't wake up and know how, how, how do you handle a rebellious kid? What do you do when your kid says no? What do you do when your kid starts making bad decisions? What do you do? 
And so it's not intuitive, and it's, it's not, again, in the birthing room when the baby comes out, a manual doesn't come out behind it. Page one. Listen, I've been in there. Books that large can come out. I'm just telling you. You're like, that was impressive right there. That was very impressive. I give you, like, I, hold, I held a 10 up in the, in the birthing room. 10. 10 for my wife. The information, again, it's not easy to get. The information, it's not intuitive. The information, some of you guys have information. Let's be honest, your information of how to be a, ver- be a parent is very convoluted. It's very mixed up. Most of us have learned how to be parents from our parents, which is sometimes good and sometimes bad. Some of you had great parents, but even great parents didn't know everything there was to know about parenting. And unfortunately, some of you here didn't have good parents, and so your parenting style is this. I'm just going to do what my parents didn't do, or I'm going to not do what they did do. You're just going to do parenting in reverse. And so, like, how do we, how do we raise our kids if, if we're supposed to train our children up and, 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 and when they get old, man, they're not gonna, if we're going to raise them up, we're going to discipline them, they're going to narrow. Like, how do we do that? Like, really, what does that look like? What, how does that thing all come to be? And today, I want to just jump into this because here's, what I, here's where we are today, is the challenges for us is to take our parenting serious. The title today is Continuing Education Credits because we take every other area of our life seriously, don't we? We do continuing education credits. Some of you guys have gone through it in different areas of business, doctors and nurses and lawyers and blue-collar workers. You continue to learn and hone your trade, don't you? Nobody just graduates college and never thinks again. You continue to train and learn. We not only do it in our occupation, we do it physically, right? A lot of you in this room, you're working out all the time and you're in the gym. Why? Because you're continuing to get better physically. We do it spiritually. Here you are in church again. Like, didn't you get enough last week? Why do you keep coming back? Because we want to keep getting better. We want to keep growing. But let me ask you the question. If we do it in our occupation and we do it in our career and we do it in our finances, we do it physically, spiritually, we continue to grow in every area. But let's be honest, not many of us continue to get better at parenting. In fact, I would say most of us in this room, we couldn't say the last time we read a book, read an article, had a real conversation about being a better parent. And parenting is one of the most important things you will ever do in your life. And so we, I just thought, man, it would be just really great for us to pull together for a couple weeks and let's look at God's word and let's look at real life and let's answer some questions about how we can be better parents. And here's what I know. Let me just say this. The root of your kid's problems, and every kid has problems, and if your kid doesn't have problems yet, either you're not paying attention or they will, trust me. Not my rose. Not my precious rose because she's the best. Yes, you are. <laughs> Boom. It's, it's coming. I'm just telling you. Every kid has problems. Every, every kid, every kid, because that's part. They're trying to navigate this big, scary world. And what they need more than anything is parents there to help guide them through this thing, to help prepare them for adulthood. And I'm going to tell you something. This is so huge. You've got to get this. Listen, your children's problems are not rooted in the clothes they're wearing. It's not rooted in the car they're driving. It's not rooted in the school they're going to. That, that's what our culture has made it, and that's what a lot of us as parents, listen, I see this all the time. Listen, when I was growing up, we never had anything like that. So if i got to work two jobs and a part-time job, then that's what I'm going to do because I want little Johnny to have the best. And we have a culture full of kids that are rich in stuff and rich in experience, and they're one of the most broken generations ever. They're spoiled rotten. 
Listen, let me tell you, fast forward 20 years, little Johnny, little Johnny in your home, he's not going to be laying on a couch one day talking to a counselor saying, it all started when the iPhone 6 came out. (laughs) Mom and dad, they wouldn't get it for me. They stuck me with the iPhone 4. I'm telling you, that's not going to happen. There's, come on, right, right, little Lisa, she's not going to be talking to a, to a clinical psychologist one day. So tell me, like, uh, can you go back to the moment it all started? It's my first car. They wouldn't get me a new one. All my friends drove Mercedes Benz. I have seen so many kids around this area. Is it just me? Like, I see all these kids, and they don't even look old enough to drive, number one. Prepubescent kids driving Mercedes Benz, I've never seen. Like, I want to run them off the road. Do you know why? Listen, listen, I I know, I know, because I want to do it. I I want to spoil my kids, too. I want to give to my kids, too. But we give, and we give, and we give, and they're so rich in stuff, and they have the best, and they have the best, and they have the best. And some of you guys, you spend thousands at Christmas, and all this, and some of you are like, I never do it. Listen, I'm just telling you, in our culture, they are so rich in stuff and they have the best clothes and they drive the best car and they go to the best schools and they're involved and they go from soccer to piano lessons to volleyball to the science club and we run them and we run them and we run and a lot of you here you're not parents you're glorified taxi drivers and let's just talk about that let's just be honest that we keep giving our kids and while they are rich in experience and rich in stuff they are poor in relationship and poor in direction you want to know what your kids need? Your kids need the exact, th- exact same thing you needed when you were their age. And they don't need what you didn't need. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to bless them. doesn't mean we don't want to take care of them. doesn't mean we don't want to buy for them. I'm just saying, listen, the answer, the answer to raising children, the answer, the solution to preparing our children for adulthood is not running them from event to event while they dress and wear the best. What it's going to take to raise our children and prepare them for adulthood is parents who are engaged in relationship and being active in their life to give them the direction they consistently and they constantly need. So I want to show you one more story in the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Very, very cool story. Eli, if you don't know who Eli is, everybody shout Eli. Eli was the high priest of the nation of Israel. It was kind of his role. He was kind of the pastor to the people. He was, he was the shepherd of the entire nation. He was the head dude. And uh, he wasn't just kind of in charge alone. His, there were some other priests involved, but his kids, they were kind of like junior priests. They helped out around the temple as well. They helped out at church. Notice what the Bible says about Eli, who was a parent like many of you. The Bible says, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. How many of you here have kids that are scoundrels every now and then? Be honest, they were scoundrels today. Now, I know they came in smiling because you threatened them. <laughs> Listen, you better get the, wait, quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about. That's my favorite thing ever. I, my, my dad used to say, you better stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. I'm like, I'm crying because you already gave me something to cry about. It gets worse than this. <laughs> Sons of Eli were scoundrels. Listen, your kid, is, he's going to be a scoundrel. Maybe not for long, but I'm telling you, every kid is a scoundrel at some point in their life. Only, only question is how long they're going to be a scoundrel and how severe it's going to get. Kids just go through scoundrel cycles. Now, the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had, res- who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Now, Eli was very old, and he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. 
He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. So, like, here's, here's church. So, they're like, um, hey, baby, would, uh, would you like some communion and my phone number? You know, I mean, it was bad. It was, like, really awkward. They're not, they're not there for Jesus. They're not there for God. They're there just to hit on women, and it's bad. But notice the Bible says that Eli, everybody say he was aware he was aware. I want to give you just four things real quick. We're going to talk very general. The next three weeks, we'll get very specific. But I think there's four things. If we're going to train up our children in the way that they should go, if we're going to do that, what does that mean? What does that look like practically? And I think ultimately it comes down to four things. These should be the four things that every parent should be actively and consistently involved in. I need to do a better job. Again, I'm just going to tell you, as I've gone through this, getting ready for these messages and going through God's word and just kind of looking at resources, I'm I'm just going to tell you, I've celebrated some moments thinking, man, we've done really well here. And I'll be honest, there's been been probably more times I'm like, man, we're doing really bad there. Gosh, we've really jacked that up. You know why grandparents are so good? Because they've had like 20 years of practice of jacking their own kids up. And like they got it figured out by the time like, you know, I'm telling you, grandparents are just good parents, mostly. They spoil kids rotten, we're going to talk about you later, but... Because, again, we get in this thing. We don't know what we're doing, and we're trying to figure it out as we go and learn on the fly. So four things I think everybody needs to do. Number one, your number one responsibility as a parent is to build a relationship. You've got you to find a way to build a relationship. Notice the Bible says about Eli, about Eli and his kids. The Bible says he became aware. It's almost like the Bible saying it was kind of the second or third-hand information. He didn't have any idea what his kids, what was going on in his kid's life. He was getting it from the neighbor who heard it down at the market over the weekend. Hey, did you hear about Eli's kids? No, what about Eli's kids? He's hitting on the women in the temple. And that guy went and told someone else, and that guy went and told Eli's neighbor, and Eli's neighbor came and said, hey, man, your kids are hitting the women in the, in the temple. It's like he had no idea. Let me, I, I asked you this question in the beginning. Do you know where your kids are? Are you in a relationship enough with your children that you can ask them real questions about who they are, where they're going, who they're, who they're, what their struggles are? Do you know, let me just ask a question. Do you know your kid's favorite color? Do you know your kid's closest friend? Do you know your kid's biggest struggle? Now, most of you are like, you can never know that. I'm just telling you, their best friend knows it. Our challenge as parents is we have to build relationships with our kids. And let me just tell you, your kids don't need a boss. This is where I blow it. I, I got here, I'm like, Lord, I blow this all the time. My kids don't need a boss. They're going to have plenty of bosses. They have teachers that boss them around. They have coaches on the field that boss them around. Your, your kids do not need you to be their boss. They need you to be their parent. And at the same time, and a lot of us, we get this wrong on this side. Let me just tell you, your kid doesn't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their parent. Now, what does that mean? That means sometimes it's a mix. Sometimes you've got to be a bossy friend or a friendly boss. I'm saying absolutely as a parent, I'm saying we, we have to be there to make hard decisions and then navigate for our kids. I'm telling you, we do have to tell them what to do, but that's not all we do. If all you do is yell at your kid, something's wrong in your home. If all you do is yell at your kid and tell them what to do, something is wrong in your home. And so we have to find a way, and we're going to talk about how to do this. It's going to feel like at time when you're building a relationship with your kids, it's going to feel like you're building the bridge to nowhere. 
It's going to feel like, you know, your kids, they don't like you. They don't want to be around you. You're, you're going to, they're going to tell you that. I'm telling you, I don't care what they say out of their mouth. They want you in their life. I dropped my son off last week at football practice. And I'm saying this high roll. I waited until he got, he got, he's like, all right, dad, see you. And I'm like, see you, son. And he gets out. I waited until like, he's like 20 yards out into the field. And when he got way out, I was like, Zach. He turns up. Well, I was like, I love you. I mean, like extra loud. And then I laid on the horn. Wah, wah. And you could tell he's like, and I don't care what he, I don't care what he looked like on the outside. You know what he felt on the inside? My dad loves me. My dad loves me. I'm saying, we got, I'm not a perfect parent. I'm so far from a perfect parent. Listen, I'm just telling you, I, through this series, I want to I be a better parent. God, help me to be a better parent. God, help me to train my child in the way that they should go. God, help me to train my daughters in the way that they should go. Come on, pray that with me. Lord, help me to train my child in the way that they should go. That all starts in building a relationship. Watch how this story keeps going. Watch this. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things that you're doing. Why do you keep on sinning? Watch this. You must stop. Everybody shout stop. The number two thing that we have to do as parents is we got to establish rules. We got to establish rules. We got to let them know where the boundaries are. Again, the goal is we got to train up our children. We got to, we got to let them know kind of this is out of bounds. This is in bounds. This is okay. This is not okay. Let me ask you a question because I know this is a lot of the kids in here, a lot of parents in here. How many of your kids have cell phones? Wave at me. Wave at me. Wave at me. You got a kid got a cell phone. Come on. You better get that thing. Yeah, lift that hand. So you're like, <laughs> wave at me if your kid has a phone. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you picked your kid's phone up and looked at it and seen where they've been? who they're with on Facebook, seeing where they're going on. Because I'm telling you, they have access to the garbage of the world. And you say, well, that's not my cell phone. That's, no, that's your cell phone. You bought it. You pay the bill. That's yours. And it's your responsibility time to time to pick that thing up and look and see what's going on in your kid's life. Wow. Th- that's just the challenge. You, gotta establish, you, gotta, you have to kind of establish rules. Now, some of you, the reason you can't establish rules is because you're not in charge. Princess is in charge. Come on, we can laugh, can't we? When I, listen, your kid should never be the CEO of your home. The CEO is the person who determines what's on the menu, determines what's on the calendar, and determines what's in the budget. Now stop and think about that for a minute. How many of us as parents, I say us because this has been sometimes for us, that our budget, our menu, and our calendar was directed, had nothing to do with what we thought, it was everything what our kids thought. I'm just telling you, you can't establish boundaries if you're not in charge. So we have to find a way to start establishing those boundaries. We have to find a way to establish rules. Uh, number three, watch this. watch this. Watch how the story goes. So he get, again, he says, you must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among you, among the Lord's people, are not good. But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father. How many people here have ever had their kids not listen to them? Wave at me. We're going to talk about how to handle this in two weeks. But listen, every kid goes through it. They're trying to navigate where the boundaries are. They're trying to navigate how much they can get away with. Listen, every dad in this room, if you have a son, he's going to reach an age. It's like normally 15, 16, maybe 17, that he's going to look at you one day. He's going to eye you up. And this is going to come through his mind. I can take him now. (laughs) And when he looks at you like that, you need to punch him right in the diaphragm and let him know who's king. Get that look off your face. Maybe one day 
but not this day. Watch this. But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father. You know, you know what Eli probably did? He probably did this. All right, I'm going to count and you better listen. I'm counting to three and things better change. One, two, three. All right, don't make me count again. I'm going to count again. And this time I mean business, mister. One, two, three. All right, I'm going to go to five, but I'm just telling you right now. Let me just ask you a question. All you parents who are counting, how's that working out for you? Let me just tell you, your, their boss they work for one day will not count. The spouse they marry one day will not count. No place else in the world does counting happen. Number three thing I believe absolutely is our responsibility besides building relationships and establishing rules is we have to absolutely deal with rebellion. They are scoundrels of the, I'm telling you, of the earth, the same way you were, you were always looking to get one over on your parents. You were always looking to navigate. You were always looking to turn your parents again. Do you know why? Because you were a rebel without a cause. And our kids are rebels and your job is to squash the rebellion. I'm just telling you. We have to find a way to make that happen. We have to find a way practically to deal with it. And the reason a lot of your kids are out of control is because you think you discipline, but there's no action behind your words. You threaten and it's empty. And I'm telling you, what you're teaching your kids is, is I can get away with murder and mom and dad ultimately will do nothing about it. And the way we have to discipline our kids, we have to deal with rebellion, is we have to deal action, not words, action, not words, action. Everybody say action action. And when your kid starts learning you mean business, your kid will start acting with business. And it's, it's tough. Parents, you got to get on the same page. If you're here and you're in a single parent home, you're divorced. Listen to me. You have to find a way you have to find. You may hate your spouse and you're glad you got divorced and you can't stand them for the sake of your child. You have to find a way to find common ground of being civil. Because if not, that scoundrel will wedge their way between you and turn you against each other. And in the injustice of your parenting, that kid will grow up without boundaries. And one day, he's going to walk into the real world. One day, she's going to wake up to the real world of boundaries, and it's going to rock her world. Our job, my job and yours, is to prepare our kids for adulthood. only way they're going to do that, if we establish a relationship, build that relationship, love them, through that relationship, we establish boundaries. When they violate those boundaries, we deal with rebellion. And the last thing, we get ready to close today I think it's the most important thing we can do. Number four, seek God. Seek God. I'm just telling you, like, we have this privilege to have God on our side. And there's going to be times you're going to want to kill your kid. And you can go to God. God, give me patience. A lot of you in this room, and this is me, God, give me patience. God, give me patience. God, give me patience to deal with my kids. God, give me wisdom. Lord, I don't know what to do. How many people here know that God will give you wisdom and God will give you patience if you'll ask? God, I don't know how to deal with my kid. God will give you wisdom if you'll ask him. That's one of his promises. If any of you, last, if any of you lack wisdom, this is what James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him, let him ask of God who gives graciously to all those who ask. The Bible says again, Eli was the priest of the nation. Do you know his number one responsibility was not to be the priest of the nation? His number one responsibility was to be the priest of his home. I love my kids the most when I love God first. I love my kids the most when I love God first. And for all of you in this room, you might be brand new, brand new to church, brand new to Christianity, brand new to relationship with God. 
it's not too late right now to start inviting God into the process of parenting and to let your kids see that you honor the Lord. If you're here and you've never set boundaries for your kids, I'm telling you, it's not too late. It's not too late. Start establishing some boundaries. Here's a question I want to ask and, and we'll close. We, we started the series and called it How to Raise Your Kids and it's a play on words. Hopefully you don't think we don't know how to spell here. We do. We intentionally picked how to raise R-A-Z-E, your kids. The word raise spelled that way means to utterly destroy. I don't believe anybody starts off with the intent to mess up their kids. But we all know people that that's happened. Because you can mess up your kids totally by accident. Good parenting happens on purpose. Good parenting happens on purpose. So God doesn't want us to R-A-Z-E our kids. He wants us to R-A-I-S-E, raise our kids, build our kids up, get them ready for, parent, for adulthood. So here's the question I want to ask you as you think about those four things. What is it in your life? I want you to wrestle this, this to the ground this week. I want you to pray about this this week. What's the, what's the thing in your life that you need to start doing or stop doing as a parent to become more effective? What's the thing in your life that you need to start doing or stop doing to become more effective as a parent? Maybe you need to start working on that relationship. Maybe you got a great relationship, but you're a permiss permissive parent and you let your kids kind of just run wild. Maybe for you, you need, to, you need to start establishing more rules. For me, I need to be less of a boss. God, help me to stop being so bossy. I'm saying, because I'm in charge here. I go home and think I'm in charge at home. And like, that's not true. But I act like it. And like, I got to find a way to navigate that. I have to. What's the thing in your life that you need to start doing or stop doing? to become more effective as a parent and pray for you. Father, come in the name of Jesus, Lord, with this wonderful thing. You've blessed us with kids. And God, there's so much joy of having them in our life. God, there's so much pleasure of raising kids. But God, at the same time, it's exhausting and it's frustrating and it's discouraging. And God, I know there's parents here, Lord, parents watching online, that God, they're overwhelmed at the prospect of trying to be a good parent. God, it's all they can do some days just to get up and get them ready for school. It's just all they can do, Father, at times to get up and just wrestle through the things of life. But I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, you will help us. You will help us to train up our children in the way that they should go. And so, Lord, I pray, God, you put your finger on the area of our life, the things that we need to stop doing or the things that we need to start doing to be more effective as parents. And, Lord, as we come to that conclusion. I pray in the next several weeks you'll equip us to be better than ever. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Listen, just before you go, I just want to tell you, man, where we ended is the best place.